Y'all seen me? Right. Okay, everybody's good. All righty, very good. Well, we're so glad all of you are here today. And as um, I was praying about what to share, you know, I love Christmas. Anybody else love Christmas? I love this time of year. But I do realize that, you know, the busyness of the holiday and sometimes the, the stress of everything that goes along with it can be a little bit overwhelming. And I know also that this time of year can be kind of a sad time of year for people that perhaps have, have suffered a loss this past year. Maybe a loss of a loved one that moved to heaven, a, a broken relationship, whatever the case may be. Sometimes those things kind of overshadow the Christmas season. And we start to not really stay focused on the true meaning of Christmas. And we can start losing that joy. You know, joy is a spiritual force. But things that happen in life can cause that joy sometimes just to leak out of us. Anybody ever experienced that? So as I was seeking the Lord on what to share today, I got this title. And I think that you'll appreciate it. The title of my message today is how to keep the ha ha hallelujah. In the holidays. Can you all practice with me? Ha, ha, hallelujah. In the holidays. The word hallelujah is kind of a universal word. People say it at different uh, times in their life. Sometimes people say hallelujah at a sporting event. I don't think you'd hear a lot of hallelujahs at the black hole, right, Chuck? But... um, Some people, some fans, some fans, you know, they really get into it when their team scores a touchdown or or they do a basketball three-pointer hoop and everybody's up, you know. And if you're a believer particularly, you might be saying, hallelujah. Or perhaps your child has been struggling in school and finally they come home with this amazing report card. It's hallelujah. Or you get a raise on your job or promotion. Hallelujah. All these things are wonderful and they're good and it's fine to say hallelujah. But you know what? The word hallelujah literally means praise the Lord. And he is truly the one who deserves all of our honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We shouldn't be given events in the world our greatest passion and our greatest enthusiasm and then give God our leftovers. I'm always astounded when I see how people act, you know, maybe at a sporting event. And it's not like I've been to, I don't think I've ever been to a concert that wasn't a Christian concert, but I've seen them on TV and how crazy people go and they're out there doing the funky chicken and all this, you know, just not embarrassed, not ashamed. But then they come to church and it's like we got to set up with the dead. God lives in there. God lives in there. Kids, don't talk, don't move. But you know what? The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. It's okay to be happy in church. It's wonderful to lift our hands and say hallelujah in church. Let's practice. Hallelujah. Okay, I am the hand raiser cop, and not every hand went up. Let's practice again. Hallelujah! It is a good thing to give thanks 
unto the Lord and to praise and to bless his holy name. Scripture tells us over in Revelation chapter 19 verse 1 in the Amplified. It says, after this, I heard what sounded like a mighty shout of a great cloud in heaven exclaiming, say it with me, hallelujah, praise the Lord, salvation and glory, splendor, majesty, power, dominion, authority belong to our God. Let's say it one more time. Hallelujah. Don't you like that? A shout of a great cloud in heaven. If you've got relatives that are in heaven, perhaps this is their first year that they're spending in heaven. They haven't lost their ha-ha. Hallelujah. They're singing a brand new song. They joined that innumerable company of witnesses around the throne of God. Maybe they weren't even a great praiser or worshiper down here. But let me tell you, they got a stride in their step today. And they are saying, praise the Lord. Salvation, glory, splendor, and majesty belong unto our God. Heaven's a happy place. And you know, our lives ought to be a happy place. When we have Jesus at the center of our life. But again, I realize things happen in life and we get busy and the distractions. And so today I want to give you some tips on keeping the hallelujah in your holiday. First tip I want to give you is that we need to take time to feed our spirit man. It seems like when we get on the treadmill of life, we got this to do and that to do and places to go, things to do, that the first thing that we let slip is our time in the Word. And I will raise both hands. Been there, done that. It's not a pretty thing. We all are experts at feeding our body. And this time of year particularly, maybe aren't making the best choices. (laughs) Normally, I am not really a sweet eater. I like carbs and I like fried stuff. None of that's good for you either. But it seems like this time of year, cookies, fudge, candy, call to me. Hot chocolate. I don't know what it is. I'm just like, ooh, hot chocolate with lots of whipped cream. Start craving these things that are not good for us. We cannot live on the elf diet. (laughs) Do I have any other, anybody else in here know who Buddy the Elf is? I love that movie. This is a quiz. I'll just tell you because you probably don't know the answer. I've seen it so many times I can quote Buddy the Elf. But you know what? We cannot live on the Elf diet. According to Buddy the Elf, the Elf eats out of the four food groups. Candy, candy corn, candy canes, and syrup. You can't. Nourish your body if you're trying to live on the elf diet. 
this time of year. Have you ever had these cravings and you go into your kitchen, you open the refrigerator and anything that's sweet, that's what you want. You get in the freezer, you eat the ice cream. And I think pastor's part elf because he loves syrup. He eats ice cream and he puts syrup on his ice cream. So you've gone after everything in the refrigerator. You've opened all the cookies and all the chips in the cabinet. And you're still not satisfied. And you feel this little scratching on the inside. And it's not just indigestion from all the junk that you've been eating. Your spirit is going, feed me. Feed me. I'm starving down here. Feed me. Feed me. You know, there's something to that. We need to feed our spirits. If you want to, I wrote this down yesterday. If you want to keep from getting the holiday blues, stay full of the good news. The word is satisfying. It's a weapon to keep us from craving the wrong things. I want to read you some scripture. Yeah, we're going to read some scripture. Don't get nervous in the service. Psalms 19. I'm going to look at verse 7 through 10. This is out of the NLT translation. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Look at this phrase. Reviving the soul. We could just say hallelujah. Or as Medea says, hallelujah on that right there. Did I say that right? Hallelujah or something like that. The word revives the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Verse 8. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Oh, another hallelujah. Bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living you want to be happy for the rest of your life no it's not get that ugly woman to bury be your wife remember that some of you, anyway i don't know where that came from there's this old song anointing up here because pastor always quotes them but that's not how you get happy for the rest of your life the way you get happy for the rest of your life is to live according to To the B-I-B-L-E. Giving insight for living. Verse 9. Reverence for the Lord is pure. Lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Now verse 10 is just so yummy. They are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. The word of God will satisfy your sweet cravings because the word of God is sweet, sweeter than honey. Instruction of the word will revive you. His commandment will bring joy to our hearts. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this. In Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found 
And I did look at them while they were laying on my coffee table. Oh, I had a beautiful Bible, and this Bible is beautiful. Some people gave it to me. I love this beautiful Bible. But if I just look at it and say, oh, the word, isn't it beautiful? No, the prophet Jeremiah said, thy words were found, and I did what? I did eat them. And when I ate them, what happened? Your words were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Have you ever found a scripture and you just got happy? Woo! The word is good. The word is yummy. The word satisfies the longing of the soul. And the word of God gives us the strength. That we need to face whatever comes our way. Doesn't the Bible say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? It's his word that gives us that inner strength. And we all need it every day of our life. Especially this time of year. Now a second tip that I want to give you is a real practical tip. Is that okay? Can you use something practical? Not that the word isn't. The word is practical. The word certainly applies to every area of our life. But this tip is don't have unrealistic expectations. I'll just say it loud and bold. Your holiday probably won't be picture perfect. You know why? You're not perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. Your mate's not perfect. And don't say amen right there. <laughs> Life is not perfect. You're probably going to burn a batch of cookies. You know, I pride myself in being a good cook. But I have burned cookies. And you know what I did with it? Threw them in the trash real quick before anybody saw <laughs> But you're probably going to burn some cookies. The turkey might be dry. You may not buy the most awesome gift that everybody just is, falls down and worships you and says, How did you know? Probably not going to happen. I had a reality check years ago when our boys were little. I used to go shopping for them and I just bought them their clothes. Pastor Nancy will remember back in the day where we made all of our little boys wear suits and vests and at Christmas time, real cute little Christmas sweaters. So I was really into that. And they, you know, they just complied until a certain age. And I remember the Christmas when I bought them these wonderful Christmas sweaters that I thought were so awesome. They began to open their gifts. And it was a reality check for me when they started laughing hysterically. (laughs) Really? You think I'm going to wear this? Is this a joke? (laughs) Probably not going to get a gift that everybody just falls in love with. If you hear the words, did you keep the receipt? (laughs) You'll know it wasn't on their list. Sometimes we go after these hallmark moments. I love the Hallmark Channel. And I watch these movies all Christmas season. Anybody else in here? 
Now, I will have to say that almost everybody that raised their hand was a woman. Except for real. I saw that hand. <laughs> Good husband. He watches Hallmark with you. Yeah, did Raul raise his hand? Yeah, no. So pastor, he'll say, oh, another Hallmark movie? He'll watch about two minutes and then he'll go, you know what's going to happen? They're going to get together. They're going to have a perfect Christmas. Like, I know, I know, but I just want to cry and be happy with them. But folks, in case you don't know, those are movies. Those are actors. Every story in life doesn't have that kind of a happy ending. I'm not trying to rain on your holiday. Go ahead. Watch those shoes, those shows. <laughs> but unrealistic expectations can set us up for disappointment. What we need to do this time of year Keep our eyes upon the perfect one. You know, there is no perfect one except Jesus. And they killed him. So, hey. Jesus is the only one that is perfect. Keep our eyes on him. He's the true meaning of the season. But love and appreciate the family that you do have. They might not be purdy. They might not always be kind. But they're yours. So, appreciate them. And love them. And if there is a cooking disaster. Or a gift that they think is hideous. Or your tree crashes in the middle of the night. Don't let it ruin your Christmas. Let it be a funny memory. We, when the boys were little, we always had live Christmas trees. But we were smart. So we would go to the Christmas tree lot, bring our stand or buy one and say... Please, please put this tree in the stand for us. Because it was a real task for us to have to do that. Well, one year the boys went to a school and they were doing a fundraiser by selling Christmas trees. So we always wanted to root for our home team and root for the school and be supportive. So we went over to the lot and we bought a tree. They didn't put stands on it there. Bummer. So we get home and pastor and the boys, we wrestled with that tree. We did the best we could to get it in this stand. It was leaning a little, but you know, hey, it's ours. It'll be all right. So we decorated that tree and happened to be on a Saturday. We were going to decorate this tree. And now pastor and John, they were excellent supervisors. So from afar, laying on the couch, you need some more ornaments over there. There's a hole that needs to get covered up over there. Yeah, it's leadership, he says. So James was my little helper. And he wasn't very big that year. And so he he liked all these little heavy kind of wood ornaments. So he put them all at eye level for him. So they're clumped, all these heavy ornaments, right at eye level on the front of the tree. For James. So we all go to bed about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> crash. I hear bulbs broken, lights shattering. Get up. The tree fell under the power. <laughs> and of course, it was a Saturday night. Very tempted to lose my Christmas joy. What did we do? You know, we did the best we could do. I got some twine. My country roots came out. I got some twine. I roped that tree and nailed it to the wall. 
<laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. But you know what? The funny thing about it is, even though that tree looked like a disaster, branches were broken, a lot of my favorite ornaments were broken, the rope was showing, nailed to the wall. But all through the years, after that, I'm going to get this beautiful flocked tree, and I'm going to decorate it myself, and it's going to be so beautiful. And, you know, to me it was. But all these years later, when our boys are home, they never talk about the perfect flocked trees that mom decorated. You know what they remember? The tree that fell under the power. And that's our name. We have a name for it. Remember the tree that fell under the power? <coughs> Things that we think are imperfections and a disaster can later on bring out precious, funny memories. So don't let imperfections steal the joy of the season. The Bible tells us over in Proverbs 17, 22, I love all these scriptures about laughter. And we'll just look at this one, laughter and being happy. It says, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Let's look at that first part. A merry heart does good like a medicine. There's a reason that we say Merry Christmas. It's a merry, it's a joyful time. And it comes from our heart. You can't really express the true meaning of Christmas unless you have Christmas in your heart. Unless you have Jesus, the reason for the season in your heart. One translation of this passage says, A rejoicing heart doeth good to the body. Laughter is medicinal. And I love this. Uh, Some studies were done about the benefit of laughter. And these experts says, Your body will get the same benefits from you going ha, 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 faking a laugh. Because your body doesn't know the difference. But it's beneficial. Can y'all practice? Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. So do what you have to do to keep the ha, ha, ha in your holidays. Don't watch all the sad movies on Hallmark that make you cry. Find some that make you laugh. Because joy is a spiritual force. And it produces strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. I think we'll do it again. Ha, ha, ha. How about ha, 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 hallelujah. Ha, 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 hallelujah. Something happens when you start releasing that joy that's on the inside of you. A third tip to keeping the ha-ha hallelujahs in your holidays is to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you aren't filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be today. I know some people don't understand being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. But other than the precious free gift of salvation, 
Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that Jesus ever gives the believer. And the only criteria for being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be born again. If you want to be filled today or you have questions, we'll have people available at the end of the service. Just listen to some of the benefits of being filled with the Holy Ghost. There are many. We got this awesome book sale in the bookstore. Go buy some books in there on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Feed your heart and ask God to enlighten you and to give you revelation and make you hungry. We got to be hungry for more of God. It's so wonderful, so wonderful, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. But one of the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit is it will keep your joy level full when you pray in tongues. There's a real short passage of scripture, but it gives a description about the disciples. Acts chapter 13, verse 52 just simply says this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So when you pray in other tongues, it stirs up your joy. I mean, you can use a dose of joy. Now, I encourage you to pray much in the Holy Ghost. If you sense that bah humbug spirit trying to attack you, or you've reached this level of, I can't handle one more Christmas carol. Or if I see another person ringing that Salvation Army bell, I'm going to ring their bell. And perhaps it's time to get a dose of joy. To drink, to get a good drink. And not from a bottle, but a drink from the joy of the jug of joy it's available to us. Another benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit is found in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 through 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest. Y'all could use some rest. This is the refreshing. But you would not hear. The prophet Isaiah is looking down through the corridors of time. And he's seeing and he's prophesying about Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost fell in that upper room. And they began to speak in a brand new tongue. And he's saying that there is a rest. And there is a refreshing when you pray in the Holy Spirit. Now it's not always possible when you're tired or you're weary or you feel like you need a break. It's not always possible to jump on a jet and go to Hawaii. I wish it was, you know. Some of us would be going every other day. That's not possible. But it is possible to get in the presence of God and to be refreshed and to be revived just by praying in the Holy Ghost, taking a trip in the realm of the Spirit to the throne room of grace into His presence. Another benefit of praying in the Holy Ghost is that it will build us up on the inside. Keep us strong and even keep us in the love of God. This is found over in Jude. There's only one chapter 
in Jude, but verse 21, verse 20 and verse 21 of Jude. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Good thing to do. Get stronger on the inside. And then I love verse 21. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Look at that phrase. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. I am not going to ask for a show of hands. But is there anyone in here that has a relative that just knows how to push that button? You see them at Christmas. You see them at Thanksgiving. And you're on your guard. But oh, they just keep jabbing. They keep pushing that button. Or maybe it's a co-worker. And it's so hard because they know just how to get under your skin and to irritate you. Well, if you're at the Christmas table with a bunch of relatives, particularly if they're not born again, you can't just go, wait a minute, wait a minute. But when they're trying to get you to get into strife and get you in a conversation that you don't want to go to, you can't really do that. But you can, under your breath, be going. And if they said, what did you say? Never mind, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) Keeping yourself in the love of God. Can I get a witness? (laughs) And then the last tip that I have for you, and keeping the ha-ha hallelujah in your holidays is find a way to be a blessing. Don't just be thinking about me, myself, and I. Find a way to be a blessing. Isn't Christmas about the greatest gift ever given? I love this passage, this prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's cause to rejoice right there. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him is not going to perish. But have everlasting life. These scriptures are familiar to us, but they're powerful. And we should never lose sight of what they're really saying unto us. A child is born. A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Our nation is full of strife and division right now, and it's a mess. The Democrats can't save it. The Republicans can't save it. No man can save it. But God, the government is upon his shoulders. We pray for those in leadership. But we look unto God and we say, God, you intervene. God, you help bring unity to our nation. The government is upon his Shoulders and his name shall be called, say it with me, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, 
everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Woo! Hallelujah! That's the gift that's been given to us. Freely we have received. And you know what the rest of that verse says? Freely give. You want to keep the ha-ha hallelujahs in your holidays? Get the spirit of generosity. The joy of generosity. Pastor's been referencing this passage and I want to read it to you today. Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. In the message it says this. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's the spirit of Christianity. That's the spirit of generosity. We need to be looking for ways to help someone. If you need help, help somebody else. We are blessed. And when we bless others, we are abundantly blessed. That phrase in that passage where it says, A generous soul shall be made rich. Yesterday, it was rainy outside and we have an upstairs where our bedroom is, big window. So I lay down on the bed and I opened the window and I was just looking at the rain. It was really refreshing. And I was getting refreshed because I was in the presence of the Lord. I was getting so I could give today. And that verse stood out to me. Generous soul shall be made rich. I got to meditating on that. What does it mean to be rich? You know, it really doesn't have that much to do with money. Rich is defined as having more than enough. It's defined like this. An abundant supply. And as I was thinking about what does it mean to be rich? I started thinking back on Christmases as a child. And I'm going to be emotional about it. Both of my parents have been in heaven for many years. My mother went to heaven January 5th, 1976. My dad went to heaven February 5th, 1986. But the things that they imparted into all of us are live on big in the inside of me. We didn't have a lot of possessions. We weren't rich. As far as money and finances go. But when I look back on Christmases as a child. And I was thinking about it. Laying there on my bed. Thinking about it. And I don't remember the gifts I did or I didn't get. I got or I didn't get. But what I do remember is the love and the joy that was in our home. I started thinking about my mom's last Christmas here on earth. She was very sick Christmas of 1975. And then she passed in January, January 5th, 1976. But even at that time when our family was in crisis, my dad was still giving to others. From the time I was a little girl, 
He didn't just do it at Christmas, but he did especially at Christmas time. <clears throat> we had 160 acres. We had a lot of trees on our farm. <coughs> and he would go out and cut down trees, chop wood, fill the back of his pickup truck, and go find people, needy people that needed wood. And that particular Christmas, I remember, because we were all so distraught about my mom getting ready to go to heaven. But I went with him. Not only did he take wood to people in need, he stopped by the road. He said, you know, I don't think they have a Christmas tree. Cut down cedar trees. They weren't beautiful, but they meant a lot to people that didn't have a tree. Threw them on top of the wood, and we went all around the country delivering wood. And Christmas trees. It's impacted in my heart forever. The look on those people's face. Because of my dad's generosity. His life was a sermon. And it made me want to be generous. And bless people. My mom was different than my dad. He was very outgoing. Very friendly. My mom was very friendly. But she was real quiet. And sweet. I got the sweet part. What can I say? In case you're wondering. (laughs) But her gifts came from the kitchen. She was known in our community for baking pies and cakes. And at Christmas time, her fudge, cookies. And I got her chocolate chip cookie recipe. But then it was an event in our house. It was like a cookie factory. Everybody had a job. All these little bags were lined up in these containers. And the joy of us saying, we don't have much. But what we have, we're going to share and we're going to give. My dad used to say it all the time. Such as we have, you can have. What we have... We'll share. They did not wait until there was an overflow and an abundance to be a blessing. That's the true spirit of generosity. It impacted my life and my siblings' lives. And, you know, we tried to instill that into our boys. Yesterday was just kind of a a weepy day for me, I guess. But it was because I loved Jesus and he was ministering to my heart in such a special way. There's times when you get with just him, you just need to love him and let him love you back and be refreshed. So on Saturdays, a lot of times I like to talk to our our sons and their families. So Pastor Mark called James and there wasn't an answer. And then I called John and there wasn't an answer. And a few minutes later, I get this text from James. And he says, hi, Mom. Can't talk right now. Esther and I are out caroling with the youth. And it just, it hit my heart. Because a few years ago, we were in crisis with James at Christmas time. And now he's tapped in to being a blessing to others. Now, right after he texts me, I get a text from Wendy. Hi, Mom. Can't talk right now. We're volunteering at a Christmas party for homeless moms and their kids. Like, what? 
few minutes later, she sends me a picture of John on the platform with his guitar, Livy with a mic, singing Christmas carols to these kids. My heart was impacted. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. They caught it. They caught the spirit of giving and being generous. Parents, grandparents, I want to encourage you this time of year. Don't let it just be all about you and your family. Reach out to somebody else. You might say, I don't have anything to give. I can't minister to the needy because I am needy. And I understand that. We all have needs in our life. Our family's been in times of difficulty and needs. But just because you have a need doesn't mean you can't be a blessing to someone else. You can give love. (coughs) You can give prayer. You can give service. We got all sorts of areas here in the church and it's not just at Christmas time. Every day of the year, we ought to be looking for a way to be a blessing. I am a witness. I am an example of parents who had hardly anything, but they gave what they had. Give what you have. Maybe you've got a lot of presents under your tree. Ask your kids to take one present. Give it to an needy kid. Just do something to spread the spirit of generosity. It is a happy time. I know I'm crying, but it's a happy time. Sometimes we can be tempted to lose our joy or lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. If you're going through something right now and you've you've lost your ha-ha, hallelujah, We as a church family are here. We're here to pray with you, to love you, to support you in any way that we can. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's all I have left to say. Hallelujah. (laughs) Father, you are good. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. We worship you and we magnify you in this place today. If you wouldn't mind, just everybody bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If you're here today and perhaps you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you knew him at one time, but you've gotten out of fellowship with him and you want to make a fresh commitment. Or maybe you are here and you are a believer But you've not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're ready to receive today. If either one of those speak to your heart, I want to ask you to raise your hand and identify yourself. See that hand? God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. And you know, I know it's 1224, but this just comes up in my heart too. I know the word speaks for itself today, but I do sense that there are some people that you need some agreement. You need some special prayer. Things have come against you. Maybe it's been a really, really hard year. Could be the first Christmas without a loved one here on earth. I don't know what it is, but you just want some prayer. 
And you want some people that are full of joy just to help you go ha, ha, ha. You know, you can pray in tongues by faith. It's not every time you pray in tongues you feel like it. If you can pray in tongues by faith, you can also go ha, ha, ha by faith. And it releases something.